Jonathan, did you ever think that you and I would be serving together in this capacity back when we were kids running around the farm? Uh, great to be with you this morning. Appreciate the invitation. Um, when Brother Ron called me the other day and was talking to me about coming, I was trying to find some excuse not to come. Then he mentioned you were going. Then he mentioned you were going to have a fellowship meal afterwards. So I thought, well, wait a minute. That's, now there's a lot of good cooks here. Looking forward to that. I want to study with you a little more and spend a little bit of time. So I hope this lesson is 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 an encouragement to you. But I want to spend a little bit of time on the book of Philemon. A little book, small book, sandwiched between Titus and, and Hebrews. 25 verses. One, one of the smaller books of the Bible. But there's, there's three points I want to make this morning about this. The first one I'm going to kind of breeze through kind of quick. But let's look at it. If you, if you want to open the book up and look at it while you listen to me out of the corner of your ear, well, read through it. It's easy to look through. It's a good, nice little story here. Um, Onesimus has now become a Christian. And the Apostle Paul has sent him back to Philemon. One of the stories, the first point I want to make here is that there are a lot of people say, well, once I've become a Christian, I don't have to worry about what's happened in the past. I can, whatever I've done is, is behind me. I'm forgiven and, for, and it's forgotten. Well, that's true, but you know there's some consequences sometimes for the, even the things that we do. You know, uh, somebody who's made his living as a bank robber, maybe who becomes a Christian, he's going to have to turn around after even becoming a Christian, go walk down to the police station and turn himself in. He's got some consequences he's got to deal with. That's one of those things Paul is telling us here in this lesson, I believe. A lot of people say, though, but once I've been baptized, that's fine. I'm clear. Not necessarily the case. Second point, let me move on a little bit. Um, for years, I've read this book, read through this, and I wondered, now why in the world does the, is, has the Holy Spirit put this book in here? It's a nice story, great story. I love the story. I love the ending of the story. But um, why is it here? What does that mean to me? What am I going to get from, what's the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit expect from me to get from this lesson? And then finally one day, I, th- I think I've got it. I think I've got it. Listen, think with me here for a little bit. Um, Onesimus has made a trip from Rome back to, to where Philemon's at. It's a pretty long di- distance, best I can tell. I don't know exactly the miles or anything, but it's a long trip. You know, some of the things that we do in life, we have a pretty long trip too, don't we? He has a long trip. We sometimes have a long trip. Um, life can be very, very tra- taxing and, and for us in a lot of ways. Um, he may have had doubts and fears when it's on this trip. We may have doubts and fears on our trip in, in life. He was probably... Um, Unsure of the outcome. Now, sometimes we are maybe unsure of the outcome. I know when I was younger, maybe I, I questioned things different from the way I do to, today. I've seen a lot of things in my life. I understand a lot of things, but maybe when I was younger, I questioned a lot of things. Um, but he he wasn't sure of the outcome. Are we are we sure of the outcome? He wasn't sure how he would be received. Maybe we have that kind of fear. But Paul's words to Onesimus is, 
go, Philemon will treat you right. He may have been doubtful. We may have been doubtful. But Onesimus stayed the course. You and I have to stay the course as well, do we not? Onesimus was acting on faith that he would be received. We act on faith as well, do we not? Christians have a similar journey to what Onesimus' journey was in this, in this case. Maybe the Holy Spirit gave it to us for our learning and understanding of life and our journey through life. Let's go back to Onesimus and, and Philemon for a minute. I don't know how you see it in your mind's eye, but I've kind of always pictured it this way. A little bit. Now here's Onesimus. He's been walking. He's been traveling, maybe riding horseback. I don't know, but he's been traveling for a long time getting to this destination. And he comes over the hill and there's Philemon standing on the front porch after a long, hot day. He's tired. He's exhausted. His wife's preparing meal. He's standing there on the front porch and he sees somebody walking way off in the distance. Wow. I wonder who that is. You know, it looks a little bit like Onesimus. Why, it is Onesimus. It is. What is he doing here? He's, what, he's got his nerve coming back here. That wonder what. And Onesimus sees Philemon standing on the front porch and says, Uh-oh. There he is. I wonder how this is going to happen. Wonder what he's gonna, he's gonna grind me up and spit me out, and I deserve it, but don't know how this is gonna happen. And as Philemon, as Onesimus comes a little closer to Philemon, uh, Philemon may say something, well, you've sure got your nerve coming back here. I had, you know, and Onis, Onesimus says, well, before you, could you, could you look at this letter I've got here? And he opens this letter from the Apostle Paul. And, on, and Philemon reads it. I'll paraphrase if you don't mind. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who once was unprofitable to you. I'm sending him back. Perhaps he departed for a while. But now, as a beloved brother, if you count me a partner... Receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Kind of changes the picture a little bit, doesn't it? Kind of changes the picture. I know in my, in my mind I've often seen... Onesimus then turning around, I mean, Philemon then turning around and saying, Hey, Mary Jo, put a, set another plate on the table. We have a special guest for supper tonight. And he turns to Onesimus and he says, Boy, it's good to see you, Onesimus. Man, I've missed you. How did you beat Paul? How about, tell me about the trip. Let's get you cleaned up so we can have for supper. It's so good to have you home. Never a mention of the past. Never even a thought or uh, inclined to about what happened in the past. It's all gone. It's over with. And he looks toward the future. What a beautiful picture. When you sort of look at that, 
you wonder about some things. I think that's what, I think that's the picture that the Holy Spirit wanted us to see. It's kind of like the prodigal son. Remember how his father received him when he came? Prodigal son was, was received full well, right immediately. All things were forgiven and forgotten. Now how's that, what's that do for you and me? Let me explain a little bit of what, what my thinking is here, if I may. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, has given us a little snapshot, I think, just a glimpse and a snapshot, maybe of the judgment, how it pertains to you and me. Follow me a little, a little bit with this. Now, I don't know, this is not biblical, but in my mind's eye, as a kid even, I've always thought about the judgment. What's the judgment going to be like? What's it going to be like for me? And I can see us standing in before the judgment seat of God, and there's billions of souls, billions of people, people, billions of souls in all directions. All you can see, as far as the eye can see, souls standing before God for judgment. And all of a sudden, God's going to say, Arthur Stephen Greer, my turning barrel. I'm going to have to give an account for every word I've said. I'm going to have to give an account for all the things that I have done. That scares me. Um, every idle word. I can't even remember all the things I've said. I can't even remember all the things I've done. But God can. Uh, how many times have I missed the mark? I'm going to be in trouble. I've concluded one thing about that. It's a strategy maybe. I don't know if it's any good or not. But I think my best approach would be to just keep my mouth shut. And beg for mercy. And I don't know how this, you know, I, I don't know how judgment will happen. But as it were, what if I was able to stand before that judgment seat? And what if I had in my pocket a letter and I could ask the judge to read this letter? And he opens, he opens the letter. And it simply says, I appeal to you for my brother Art. Now put your name in there. Who was once unprofitable for you. Perhaps he departed for a while. But now a beloved brother. If you count me a partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you or owes you anything. Put that on my account. I, Jesus, am writing it in my own hand. I will repay. Wow. Wow. I can make it. I can get there. I can, you and I can make it. You and I have an opportunity to go forward like that, it, with Christ on our side, you and I can make it. I don't think this violates any scriptures at all, but let me give, give you some scriptures now on, on some things I want to talk about along this line here of this, of this. Matthew, the 10th chapter and verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father in heaven. I don't know if it's going to be a letter or something else. Luke twelve eight, 
Also I say to you, whosoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also will confess before the angels of God. Revelation, the third chapter, verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not block out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and his angels. Revelation 20, verse 12. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened from which the book, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. We'll get back, we'll get back to that in just a minute. First John, first John 4, verse 15. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Romans 10, 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now we use that, we, we look at that, and we look at Acts the 8th chapter with the Ethiopian eunuch and the confession that he makes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's one confession. But there's another confession that we make as well, and that's what I want to talk about. Follow my thoughts here just a little bit. I want to switch a little bit from that confession that we make when we're baptized. We're asked that we believe in Jesus Christ to a confession of our life. And I believe that's some of what we've talked about in some of these scriptures that we read. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 14, says this. Seeking then, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Our confession, our, our, our confession of life, our manner of life, if you please. It becomes our living confession, not just when we're baptized, but how we live the rest of our life. Let's go back to Matthew that we read a minute ago. Matthew, the 10th chapter, verses 32 and 33. Therefore, whosoever confesses me before men, that's you and me, whoever confesses me, me Christ, was talk, Christ is doing the talking, before men... Him will I also confess before my Father in heaven. But then he says, whoever denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father in heaven. Colossians 1, the third chapter, verses 1 and 3, Paul says, act like a Christian. On Further on down there, he discusses disobedience and those who are examples of disobedience. And in verse 12, he says, therefore, as the elect of God, talking to you and me, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What about you? What about this congregation? Are we walking in the light, as we talked about even in our Sunday school class this morning? Are we walking in the light? What has been your manner of life before your fellow man? Let's look at it another way. Let me ask you this. How many of you got up this morning and thought, well, I guess I'll go to church today. Guess I'll go to services today. Or have you, or did you determine years and years ago that when the saints meet, I'm going to be there. When the doors are open, I'm going to be part of the service. I'm going to be there as a Christian. 
I believe most of us decided that. There may be some who just who didn't who didn't decide haven't decided that. But I think for most of us, we decided that a long time ago. We're going. Well, let me ask you this. Um, sometimes you came when you weren't feeling all that good, right? Maybe you were tired. Maybe well, there's turmoil in your life, but you came to services anyway, right? That's confessing his name before your fellow men. That is your manner of life that you have been ex- exemplary in. I'll bet your family do- knows not to call you during this hour, don't they? I bet they know don't call you because they're going to be at church services. Your neighbor knows where you're at right now. If somebody comes and knocks on the door, your neighbor's going to say, well, she's not here. He's not here. They won't be back here until one because they're at church. That's a manner of living that confesses your name toward men here on earth. Maybe you're in a grocery store or other store and the clerk hands you a $10 bill back for change when it was really a five that was due you. What do you do? Excuse me, you gave me too much money. Why do you do that? Because your, your manner of life, the way you're living, you are portraying Christ in your life. The things that are right, the things that are fair, those are the things that you do. Someone asks you about the church, you drop whatever you're doing and answer those questions, don't you? Somebody wants them to do a Bible study, you make sure you can go study the Bible with them, don't you? Why do you do that? It's your manner of life. It's your confessing of your life of Christ before your fellow men. Well, let me ask you another point here. Philippians one twenty seven to support my my comments here. Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ. That's one of those things Paul was talking about. Only let your conversation, your manner of life. You don't know how many times in my life I have used this congregation as an example of how a congregation should be. What you have done as a congregation, the things you should be proud of. I, but I can remember, I've always looked up to this congregation through all my life. And for those of you who know know me, I was born and raised right here. In, in, I, my first remembrances of life are right here in this building. Downstairs in the basement before this was ever built up here. Let me give you some examples of what I've known. This congregation is known for doing the right thing. For many years, this congregation is known for being sound in the gospel, sound in doctrine. This congregation is known for good works, and you should be proud of that. Let me give you some examples of things. The Tiftonia congregation exists right now today because of the White Oak congregation. The White Oak congregation brought John Cup in here years ago, had him stand right here on this stage in this pulpit for a couple of years to make sure he was sound in doctrine and then sent him to Tiftonia with support to establish a congregation out there. My wife's a part of, a product of that congregation out there. There are people here that didn't even know her, didn't even know anything about her, but they have influence in her life. And here she is a Christian even today because of the good that was done there by this congregation. 
Look at some of the legacy of this congregation. Larry Acuff is a product of this congregation, born and raised right here. How much good is Larry Acuff? He's been preaching for something like 60-odd years now. How much good did he do all over the country because of the White Oak congregation? You should be proud. I've already mentioned John Cup. How much good did he do as a preacher in this area? How much good did he do as a narcotics officer? How much good did he do in this county as a sheriff? And White Oak brought him here. The White Oak congregation and you share in his accomplishments and the accomplishments of these other people because of your confession of Christ in your life and the things you stand for. Another example, Wesley Simons is another product of this congregation here. Wesley Simons was here, preached here, and now Tri-City School of Preaching. And you have a part in it. You even still support it today. Every time a preacher leaves that school there and goes out somewhere in some community and converts somebody, you have a positive part in that. This congregation has a positive part in that. How much good has this congregation done? No way you can measure it. No way you can measure it. But God, God who spoke this universe into existence, God who knows when a sparrow falls from the sky, knows what you've done. He knows the positive things you've done and what you stood for. Let's look at a couple of verses here in Revelation. Revelation, the second chapter, verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Sounds a little bit like the White Oak congregation, doesn't it? Bring somebody in here, make sure they're a sound preacher before they send them out somewhere else. Verse 19 of chapter 2. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Again, it kind of sounds like the white old congregation he's talking about, doesn't it? You should be proud. Matthew 10, 42, and also Mark 9, 41 says that even a cup of cold water in his name has its reward. This congregation has a lot to be proud of. This congregation has always stood for the truth. This congregation has always supported missionaries. Right now, Tri-City School of Preaching, South Georgia, South Pacific, Nicaragua, Hungary, right? Those are the things you support today. What's the benefit? You don't know, but God knows. Look at all the people that would be contacted and touched. You know, at my age, I'm, um, I'm getting to the point where I'm eternity. You know, I can see that door out there to eternity. It's not too far away. I'm getting close enough I can see the knob on the door. I can see the hinges on the door. I'm getting close. It's getting closer every day. I don't know when I'll be standing there at that threshold ready to step over into eternity. None of us knows when that comes, do we? But when that comes and I'm standing there getting ready, I don't want to be standing there. Well, 
I hope I've done the right thing. Well, I, I hope God's going to receive me, okay? I, I won't be able to stand there at that door like the Apostle Paul did when he told Timothy, the fourth chapter of Second Timothy. He said, my departure is at hand. None of us knows when that's going to happen to us. We're close, aren't we? I have fought a good fight, so have you. I have kept the, the, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, so have you. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give me on that day. Then he finishes up, not only for me, but unto all them, that's, he's talking about you, unto all them that love his appearing. You've got lots to be proud of here as members of this congregation. He's talking about things like that. Blessed, in Revelation 14th chapter, verse 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. He's talking about members of the church. He's talking about members just like you and the things that you have done in your life. 1 John 1 and verse 7 talks about walking in the light. Ron brought you a lesson last week, I believe, about that. He mentioned it in Sunday school class this morning. If we're walking in the light, we can be assured that Christ is with us. You and I can face that door into eternity and cross that threshold with confidence, without fear, without doubt, knowing that we have lived a good life, knowing that our manner of life has been good before others, knowing that Christ will be willing to introduce us to his Father and to, his, to the angels of his Father in heaven. Well, the lesson is yours. The question of the hour is, do you have a letter in your pocket? Are you a Christian today? I don't know all of you. I, I would assume most of you, if not all of you, are Christians. I certainly hope so. But, you know, if you're not a Christian, through hearing the gospel, and believing it, and repenting of sin, and confessing his name, you can be baptized into the, into the body of Christ. You can have all those sins washed away and forgiven. You can be standing with you, with Christ through his death. You can be a Christian today. Maybe you've lived your life, though. Maybe you've been a Christian. You've lived your life in such a way that maybe it hasn't been all that good. Whatever, I don't know. Maybe you've, maybe you've watered up your letter disgraced yourself or others but you know God has also provided us a way so that we can come back and get our fresh letter a way that we can come through through repentance and confession and prayer for, of this congregation you can be restored you can stand before God justified pure ready to serve him 
rest of your life. Think about these things, please, as we stand and sing this song selected.